0: Hello adventurers, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 26 of the recently renamed Storyverse of Verdigris podcast. My name is Beth Ball, a high fantasy author and game designer weaving immersive tales of magic and adventure across the worlds of Azuria and Eldura. In Season 2 of our podcast, we're traveling through Buried Heroes, Book 1 in the Age of Azuria epic fantasy series, though occasionally I'll share previews of other interconnected stories across the Storyverse. If you enjoy high fantasy worlds, immersive settings, nature-based magic, and vivid characters, then this podcast is for you. In today's episode, Elia and Marcone settle into the town of Trudid on their mission from the Druids of the Vagravail Wood. I'm so excited to be diving back into Buried Heroes with you. If you'd like to find out what happens next before our next episode is released, visit bethballbooks.com shop and pick up your copy of Buried Heroes or find it in paperback, hardcover, or ebook at your favorite bookstore. Let's start our adventure. Sham led Ieliath and Marcone to a comfortable room on the second floor with a view of the street behind and a small residential area off of the town square. Eliot opened the window and drew out her raven figurine and placed it on the side table. Next, she withdrew parchment, ink, and quill from her bag. The room had two narrow beds, a chair at the end of each, and a small table. You're writing to the scholar you studied with, Katerina? Marcone asked. He carried one of the chairs to the table for her and began inspecting the room. Yes, she's the most likely one I can think of who may be able to help you, and I would like for her to know I'm all right. Eliot sat at the table and rocked back and forth between the chair's wobbly legs before she prepared her quill. Marcoon's voice rose from beneath the second bed. I am glad you have someone you can trust, lady, but she has never said anything to you about the War of the Champions, as Mara calls it. Eliot shook her head. No, but I suspect there's much I don't know about her. She lived in many different places in Kildara with her parents, who were researchers and scholars, before she came to Io We've always had plenty to talk about. Perhaps it simply didn't come up. Perhaps. He rose from his search and sat on the further bed, reclined against the headboard. When he thought she wasn't watching, he drew his arm to his face and began to study the markings there. She forced herself to focus on the blank paper in front of her. My dearest Katarina, I hope this finds you well. My discovery in a new research area has taken me to the northern reaches of the Stormside Forest, of all places. I feel like I'm among druids and the rumored Saudad here in these woods, though my primary site is closer to Trudad. I heard the strangest rumor in my journey, that Lindelin had declared war on Hadvar rather than reaffirming their treaties in partnership as usually happens at the Festival of Renewal. Do you know what's happened? My research has revealed a fascinating old story about champions of the Titans. One I think you might find of particular interest was called Quindethius. Have you come across any folktales about him in your research? The bird, Edward, will bring your message back to me, either by beak or by ankle, Give my best to my friend who I've left with you, and remember, if he's visiting you more often than you might like, that he means well. Please write as soon as you can, and I shall do the same. Arrivé, Lilith. Marcone stood and glanced down at her letter, as she waited for the ink to dry. Do you often go by Lilith when you're working in secret? I am not often working in secret, but Katarina and I had the name planned should I ever need it. "'I told her I would write to her when I tried to leave before. "'I hope she'll recognize the name. "'But she knows my hand as well as her own. "'So long as the Duke doesn't see it first, we'll be fine.' "'Horses clipped through the courtyard, "'their riders clad in heavy metal armor. "'Lady,' Marcon hissed as he glanced out the window. "'Soldiers.' "'What?' "'She sprang up and ducked beside him to see. "'There were four, with the two in front, each bearing a standard.' One was the golden eagle on a periwinkle cloth of the Arantes family line, and the other, the black rose on silver, the Amastasia crest. Elioth froze. That's them, isn't it? The symbol from your ring. Elioth nodded. Her fingernails nails pressed into her palms. She had gotten so close, but she might as well have achieved nothing. Marcone wrapped an arm around her shoulder and pulled her away from the window. The soldiers dismounted and went around back to the stables. Shem spoke with them excitedly, the nervousness plain in his voice. They mostly ignored him. Her hands were shaking. Marcon took hold of both her arms and sat her on the bed, kneeling in front of her. You haven't said your name to anyone here, have you? No, not here. I did to Turdok. The blood drained from her face. And to Shem. Marcon's eyes narrowed. "'I doubt they'll have been to the logging camp first looking for you. "'And there are other reasons they might be here. "'We don't know yet. "'But I promised you're not going back to that castle unless you decide to. "'I'll speak to Shem.' "'Eliath nodded, but she barely heard him. "'What would her stepfather say if she were found alone in the company of a strange man "'and escorted back to Io Keep by four soldiers? "'He'd hush it up and still make her marry Lord Stravinsky. "'Lady,' the edge to Marcon's voice said he'd called her a few times. Have you finished your letter? I have. Let's send it to Katerina, and then we can find out what's going on and if we need to leave town tonight or not. Iliath picked up the raven from the small, worn nightstand. She'd had such modest plans for the evening. How did the duke's shadow continually loom so large behind her? Iliath shook her head, returning to the task at hand. There's twine in my bag. Marcone withdrew it and cut off a short piece while she rolled and sealed the letter. "'Nor corvu,' Elioth whispered. The figurine in her hand shook, and silver snow trickled down onto her palm. Wind whistled across the room with tiny sparks of green energy as the raven grew in size and turned a beady black eye to her. Marcon handed her the letter, and she tied it to the bird's ankle. "'You're looking for Katerina Starsend, a scholar in Iokeep, southwest of here near the ocean, in the castle's western wing.' She has dark brown skin, chestnut-hued eyes, and long, blonde braids. The bird croaked, and Elyeth jumped. Do you think that means it understood? Marcon eyed it cautiously, waiting for it to repeat the guttural call. It seemed that way, but I am not certain. Edward, do you know who you're looking for? The bird croaked again. I will take that as a yes, then. All right, come on. Edward's face took on a trance-like expression, and his eyes widened. Katerina, I miss transmigrated, but I'm all right. Please let me know what's going on and how you and Skad are. Don't tell my family. Edward's head twitched, and he resumed staring at her with one eye. She walked over to the window, and he hopped onto the sill. He croaked once more and flew out into the twilight. Looking down into the yard, Yeliot saw the soldiers leave the stable and follow Shem into the tavern. You should go find out what they're doing, Elioth whispered. Are you going to stay up here? At least until we know if they're looking for me. I'll see what I can uncover. Marcone slipped out of the door and made his way downstairs. Elioth paced in his absence. She'd done what she could to alert Katerina that she was all right and began an inquiry to learn the greater stakes. Maybe she should have sent the raven to Mara and asked for help with the soldiers. But they wouldn't be able to send anyone, especially so quickly. She couldn't return to the conclave without being able to tell them she'd saved the forest. Her bid for a new home would be over before it had begun. There was a soft knock against their door. Elioth ducked into a corner and the door slid open. Lady, Mercon called for her softly. Hiding in the corner felt silly now. How would that have protected her from being dragged back to Io Keep? It seems they're here to ask Flinden about the lumber. So they're not looking for me? Marcon pulled in his lower lip and glanced out the window. The one in the black doublet did ask if anyone had seen a young noblewoman in the area. Then what happened? She shivered. They could be coming upstairs any moment. Shem looked at me, and I said I'd been traveling nearby and hadn't seen anyone. And they believed you? Shem helped. They're always in fancy dresses, aren't they? Marcone perfectly imitated Shim's drawl, though at a much lower range, and Elliot laughed. You are safe, lady. They don't think you're here. Thank you. She relaxed her shoulders and took the first seat breath she'd had in over an hour. Marcon gestured to a bottle of wine and two glasses he'd procured from downstairs. They didn't ask about you taking two cups? I grabbed the second one from behind the bar when they weren't looking. "'It's how Gwendo would have handled the situation,' Marcon grinned. "'He sounds like an interesting person to know. "'Scad would have done something similar. "'Do you miss him a great deal?' "'I do, lady. "'I'm anxious to hear if your friend knows anything of him.' "'He poured two glasses of wine and handed one to her. "'As am I. "'The soldiers downstairs, accompanied by one on a mission for the Duke, "'does that show he has a hand in the war?' "'Trying to knock out two tasks at once by checking on the ordered lumber and searching for me?' "'She twisted a strand of hair between her fingers. "'What was she missing about the war? What could have caused it?' "'I'm not sure, lady.' "'Marcon crossed to the window in three paces and looked at the ground directly below "'before turning his gaze to the stables. "'She hadn't thought of making sure no one was listening outside. "'Eliath followed suit and went to the door, "'glancing down the empty hall before securing it more firmly.' He is opportunistic, and sending out a party of soldiers with the sole mission of finding me would risk a scandal or smear on the Amastasia name. She scowled. He would only pursue war if it were more profitable, and she couldn't conceive of a way that attacking Hadvar would serve to enrich the kingdom's coffers, or his own. Iliath crossed her arms over her waist and continued pacing. We'll need to be cautious when we speak to Flindon as well, if he'll even still hear us. Mara's plan hinged on Elythe being able to reveal who she was in hopes of changing the mayor's mind. She wanted to help the druids, but she couldn't dramatically reveal her true identity with Linalini soldiers waiting just outside to return her to her stepfather's clutches. Marcone drained his cup and refilled it from the pitcher before he sat at the end of the bed. She stopped pacing when she realized he was watching her with concern. As we're stuck up here till our shiny friends turn in for the night, lady, can you tell me more about your amulet? Well, you know about it, at least. It was understandable for him to be curious. She held the pendant between her thumb and first two fingers, rotating it back and forth. I told you before that it was my father's, left with my mom when they were separated. Yes, that you did. He smiled at her as she took a seat across from him. I've been thinking about it a great deal on our travels, and Mara's suggestion that it somehow connected to these runes. He rubbed the pale tattoos along his forearm, searching for their secret. Did you have any idea, before you found me, that it was magical? Has it done anything strange before? Eliot stared at the ruby and the golden bands that she had on so many countless occasions for the last seventeen years. Her voice was soft when she spoke. No, it's just been a normal necklace. She bit her lip and set the amulet back against her chest. When I was little, I used to pretend that my father could hear me through it, that he would be able to tell if things were really bad, and he would come to get me. She rubbed the corners of her eyes. Mama grew frustrated with me for wearing it to a ball or grand event when it didn't go with the gown she had picked out for me to wear, especially when we were among the Hedvarian court. There had been countless arguments about more appropriate adornments for one of their standing— the offer of elaborate necklaces and earrings laden with amethysts, emeralds, and pearls that better complimented whichever evening gown her mother had selected for the occasion. And why did you continue to wear it? Marcone leaned forward and rested his elbows on his knees. Elioth sighed and returned her gaze to the diamond-studded sapphire of the night sky. It made me feel closer to him. In the back of my mind, I hoped that if I wore it and he saw me, he would know that I was his daughter." How many elves had she studied at these events, desperate for a sign of recognition? But he never came to any events where you saw him. Elioth shook her head and met Marcone's eyes. Marcone smiled sadly, understanding. He doesn't know about you, does he? No one had ever asked her so directly before. I don't think so, Elioth whispered. It was a question that had often burned in her heart. Why do you ask? She tried to keep her voice even. Marcon's expression was gentle as he answered her. Lady, if he had known, don't you think he would have tried to communicate with you? Elioth blinked away the tears that swam in her eyes. The further apart she and her mother grew, the more the unknown answer to this question mattered. I really want to believe that he would have. She could barely speak above a whisper. It's something I've wondered about for a long time. Elias picked up the amulet again, tracing the hourglass. The more alone I felt, especially as I grew older, the more I wanted to be able to find him someday. I thought I'd sail to the realms and search for him, but had she ever been able to voice this aloud? Teodric had known how she felt, but she never said it. But if he knew, and he didn't want me... Elias shook her head and set down her glass of wine. What would it take for you to go to the realms? She sniffed and wiped her eyes clear again. I thought you were trying to find out what Alessandra is doing. Marcon lowered his head to stare at his boots before he met her eyes once more, the blue burning bright. I am, lady. But tracing her movements, in my limited experience for this particular type of activity, is easier with long-lived cultures than it is with humans, especially closed-off humans who dispel diplomats. He winked, trying to lighten her spirits. Iliath smiled. The Blazing Battalion wasn't usually delving into historical records, then? Not often, no. Quintetheus did, on occasion. And being an elf himself, perhaps he could provide additional assistance. I didn't realize your friend was an elf. Iliath sat up straighter, even more excited to try to find this second ancient being. If only Marcon's runes contained clues for the other hiding places for champions. She rose and stepped closer to him, and took hold of his arm. The runes faded beneath her touch and became more difficult to read. I wanted to see them again to see if they looked familiar, but I can't make them out now. Wait, Marcone said, eyebrows knitted together, he looked closely at her. Do something for me, lady. Let go and take a step back. I- I'm sorry, eliath said, dropping his arm and moving away. She hadn't meant anything by looking at the runes. He had studied them earlier. No, that's not what I meant. His brow creased further. Watch. They move in response to you. Eliot stepped closer again, and the runes receded. When she touched Marcon's arm, they faded away entirely from the circle around her fingertip. What does that mean? What if you aren't wearing your amulet? Are you sure you want to test it that way? The sight of him out of breath and pain after he'd gone too far from the amulet's aura flared in her memory. "'It will be all right. Why don't you set it over there,' he pointed at the table where Edward had been, "'and come back here to me.'" He winced the moment she took her necklace off, and the runes glared out across the entire surface of his skin. Marcone held his jaw clamped shut as she walked closer. The runes faded slightly, but they remained more visible than they had. And what if you go toward the amulet? Eliath asked. I'll stay here. He crossed the room. A similar effect, lady. It's better, but only just. Eliath followed him and placed the amulet back around her neck. Marcon let out a sigh of relief. She laid her hand on his arm. I wish I'd thought of it before, but we could have sent some of the runes to Katarina to see if she recognizes any of them. Perhaps you could write some out for me? We'll record them and see? He rubbed his skin as the redness faded. An excellent idea, lady. That will make it easier for you to look them over as well. They change, but I haven't yet been able to work out a pattern in the scripts. But Mara's intuition was right. It's connected to you. Eliot gave Marcona a small smile and went to retrieve more parchment from her bag and the novel she'd brought with her, Atala Ciel, by one of her favorite elvish authors. She couldn't focus on the familiar narrative, even as Atala began her journey through time, unbeknownst to her earliest selves. Ieliath couldn't quiet the questions that interrupted the author's words. If she and the amulet were bound to Marcon's condition, where did that leave her? Would he be willing to stay with Mara as well? The next day, Ieliath and Marcon waited until the soldiers had left the tavern before they braved the streets of Trudid to claim Ieliath's repaired leathers and the new clothes and the new clothes purchased for Marcone the day before. He smiled serenely after he slipped into the chainmail shirt Sonya had adjusted to his specifications. Let's see if Mayor Flindon is ready for his afternoon appointments, Marcone suggested, walking even taller today through the town's crowded roads. His aide is going to be upset if we show up now. Do you think he let the soldiers in? Were they visiting Trude because shipments weren't coming quickly enough? Elioth shuddered at the memory of the tree's pain beneath the axes. I'm not sure he would have felt as though he had a choice. Marcone inclined his head toward the town square, and she followed behind him. They first checked to see that the stables behind the Laughing Giant were empty before approaching the mayor's office. The horses and their riders had left. Further promising signs awaited them at the mayor's office. Unlike yesterday, the door to the front room was open, and they walked in to find Philip behind his desk once more. We've arrived for our meeting with the mayor, Eliot said. Philip studied Marcone closely. The aide looked less confident, and his demeanor was less haughty than it had been. A light glowed beneath the nearest door, and Elioth could hear heavy footsteps pacing back and forth. You're early, he said, dismissing them. We've heard rumors about the mare's daughter and wanted to see if we might be able to help. Elioth raised her voice so that the person pacing in the other room could hear her. Sonia had suggested they not bring up the subject, but she didn't want to wait another day intruded at the assistant's whim. They needed to win over the mayor as quickly as possible. The footsteps stopped. Philip's eyes narrowed. "'And what is it you would be able to do?' The door swung open, and a thin, middle-aged man with overgrown stubble leaned out from the frame. "'Philip, show these visitors into my rooms.' The sallow aide sprang to his feet. "'Yes, of course, sir.' The door swung shut and philip glared back at them follow me please he showed them into a nicely furnished meeting room with a long wooden table and sideboard philip prepared three glasses of wine and the man they'd seen before walked heavily into the room he gestured at their chairs so they might be seated i'm mayor flinden he sighed and slumped in his chair and pushed back his gray streaked brown hair tell me what is it you wish to speak to me about you mentioned my daughter I did, sir. We wanted to inquire after what had happened to her. Eliot smiled politely. They need to proceed delicately to gain his trust. And why should I disclose that to you? She nodded toward Marcone. We thought we might be of assistance in helping to recover her. Newcomers to my town, barely here a day, have heard rumors of my kidnapped daughter and have come to help rescue her? The mayor shook his head. Do you not think I have every man in my employ searching the woods for her, and have for the past week? We've no doubt of your concern, Mayor Flinden," Elliot said, but we have a—what was a good term for it? Special relationship with the forest, and thought we could lend an extra pair of eyes. Special relationship with the forest. He spoke as though such a thing were disgusting, as well as impossible. Why is it you're intruded, Miss— Elioth took a deep breath. This was the moment. Amastasia. Lady Iliath Amastasia. Mercone's fist tightened beside her. She raised an eyebrow at the mirror. Your move. If he didn't believe her, he might still be interested in what they could do to find his daughter, and she would have an opening to present the druid's case. If he did believe her, his reaction would most likely split in one of two ways— As armed soldiers had arrived from the castle instead of a simple messenger, it seemed someone in the castle wished to assert their power to intimidate the mayor, an experience from what she'd seen that men accustomed to wielding power over others particularly despised. By knowing who she was, he would now have leverage over her stepfather to use to his own benefit. So long as he perceived her revelation of her identity as a sign of alliance, he might return the favor by more openly hearing the druid's requests. On the other hand, she and Marcone risked what had been on the line all along. Flindon would inform the soldiers of who she was, and they would escort her back to Io Keep. However, if Flinden would agree to delay his report in exchange for the druid's assistance locating his daughter, she and Marcone could buy the time they needed to leave Trudid and the Vagaville wood. Flindon stared at her closely. Lady Elioth Amastasia He tilted his head as though waiting for her to reveal that she was joking. "'That's correct,' Elioth nodded once. Nervous energy pulsed along her body. "'The missing noblewoman from Lenolin.' So they had been looking for her. "'Yes, sir.' "'Ha!' Huh. Flindon laughed, in short bursts at first, which then escalated into a full-belly laugh. Elioth glanced at Marcone. "'What should they do in the face of this man's sudden lunacy? "'Had the pressure of his missing daughter and the court's demands "'finally proved to be too much?' Flindon gripped the arms of his chair and leaned forward, smiling widely. Why, how convenient for me that the missing noblewoman I was questioned about this very morning was in my midst the entire time. So now, not only am I behind schedule and fulfilling my duty to the king, I've also to send word back to the soldiers that the woman they're searching for is here in front of me. My own daughter, however, is of no import to them. He waved his hand to the side. I know there are several events coinciding at one time, Elioth began. His eyes shot back to hers. Do you recognize that now? Who are you, really? Flinden studied her once more. Sir, I've just told you. Elioth rubbed her thumbs over her fingers, trying to calm her nerves. If he would only say what he planned to do next, she and Marcone could enact one of their contingency plans. Flinden threw his hands in the air in an irritated surrender. Fine, Lady Anastasia, why did you originally set foot in my city? We are here on behalf of the druids of the Vagravail Wood. They've offered me sanctuary, and in return, I'm here to speak with you about the felling of the forest. The Mayor shook his head, agitated. I've already spoken with several of them, a mismatched collection of hermits, elves, and half-bloods. Marcone stiffened beside her. Bidding me to think of the future with no appreciation for the position I'm in, as though that is not already a constant weight on my shoulders. We're not trying to negate the pressure you're under. I can speak with my stepfather. Can you now, Lady Amastasia? You have some immediate sway to dismiss the goons they sent to my door to reprimand me for inadequate production. He crumpled one of the papers on his desk in his fist and waved it in front of her. While you're at it, in this great hour of need, have you the ability to reject Evrantes' order that I sacrifice my citizens in this sudden, asinine war that he's declared? Elioth sat back, frightened by his rising anger. Uh, I don't know that I can tell the soldiers not to come back, but if the court only understood that the long-term survival of the forest is at risk, along with the livelihoods of the citizens of Truded, and those who make the forest their home, I am sure they could be persuaded— "'The time is long past that the well-being of those intruded "'has been a concern of the royal court,' Mare Flinden replied, his voice cold. "'Eliath shuddered as the chilling realization seeped through her. "'He was right. "'She'd never heard anything of the people of Trudid, "'only the raw materials they supplied. "'The residents they had met, "'even those with seemingly successful businesses, "'like Sonia and the tailor, wore threadbare clothing.' It looked the way she'd overheard other noblewomen and their ladies' maids describe the farmers coming in and out of the earth ward. Maybe we can change that, she said softly. The hopelessness of the task dug in its claws. This would be a larger shift than halting the tree-cutting and stopping the war. The Duke didn't listen to her about decisions for her own life. Why would he care what she thought of this small town? If we sent word to Linnellyn, Flindon laughed at her again and shook his head. Unlikely. Elliot's shoulders tense. "'The mayor's expression turned into a derisive smirk. "'You claim to be the bastard daughter "'of a wealthy noble house hundreds of leagues from here. "'Why should I believe it? "'Because you wear a silver ring with a black rose "'and have long red hair?' "'Flynden bawled the crumpled paper in his hand "'and slammed it onto the desk. "'Don't think I'm unaware of your scheme. "'You and the soldiers likely have a division "'of the reward worked out.' "'Flynden wagged his finger at her "'and leaned back in his chair.' Know this first, he held up the accusatory finger, that they'll cheat you out of your share, and second, his middle finger joined the pointer, I have a writ from the king himself and a duty to perform. Whoever you are, girl, you've no power here. I'll bear no more insults today. You may go. He swept his hand at her like he was removing dirt from the air. Elioth sat, rooted to her chair. That couldn't be it. If she could only convince him to listen harder, to really hear that they wanted to help him find his daughter, they weren't there as a threat or a trick. Now Flindon banged his fist on the table a second time, and Elioth jumped. Marcone leapt up and stepped between her and the mare, who breathed heavily, watching him with wild eyes. Elioth scooted back her chair and stood, smoothing out her breeches as she did so. No possible recourses presented themselves. He hadn't cared about their offer to help him. "'and he rightly doubted her sway over her stepfather. "'There was going to be a war. "'A line of soldiers in silver armor, "'row upon row of the king's standards, "'gold periwinkle blowing in the wind. "'They would be mowed down by unrelenting forces from the north, "'horns blaring, red flags waving. "'Lady, we must go,' Marcon whispered. "'The image wouldn't leave her mind.' A hand on the small of her back directed her out of the mayor's office, through the front room, and into the sunny town square of Trudid. Elyeth collapsed on the lowest wooden step and laid her head in her hands. What are we going to do now? Thank you so much for joining me for today's adventure through Buried Heroes and the World of Azuria. If you'd like to find out more about me or my fiction, you can find me at bethballbooks.com. You can also find my books worldwide at your favorite bookstore, or ask your local librarian to add them to the library catalog. To stay up to date with the world of Azaria and Eldura and be the first to know about upcoming fiction projects, visit bethballbooks.com join. I would love for you to be a part of my reading community, The Circle of Story, where we celebrate fantasy, folklore, and adventure. As a member of The Circle, you'll receive a copy of three Circle-exclusive short stories, one of which, Blood, Wolf, Moon, is a prequel story for Age of Azuria. In addition to Chapter 21, be on the lookout for a special update episode coming your way soon with announcements about Phoenix Rising, a new novella, a story fragment journey told via letter, and serialized fiction set in Azuria's past, The World of Eldora. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at BethBallAuthor or on Twitter at GroveGuardian, or you can email me Beth at BethBallBooks.com. If you enjoyed our time together today and would like to support the creation of future episodes, join the story conclave on Patreon at patreon.com slash groveguardianpress. In our next episode, we'll follow Marcone and Eli through the forest outside of Truded for chapter 21 of Buried Heroes. Happy travels, my friends, and I hope that we'll be adventuring together again soon.